2: And hello there from the sous-chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor. And as we wave goodbye to a woman's perspective team, there they go out the door, dancing and skipping and laughing.
3: I'll listen Marilyn, to you. Well, Marilyn
2: has a rum and coke while she does, does the show. <laughs>
3: Like, I think it's rum her, Oh, her you coffee. should have seen
2: the look I got there. Yeah. Yikes. I'm never going to her go to her place now to <laughs> get dressed. <laughs> to get dressed? No.
3: <laughs> no wardrobe doctor for
2: you. Oh. Anyway, hey. Hey, hey welcome back. Thank you very much. I understand uh, my Suzu chef.
3: Su Su chef.
2: That's right. Yes. Robbie Lane did the a fine under job. Sue chef. He yeah. did a
3: fine job, but nobody well, can do your job like you. Know,
2: you know, I, I, I'm going to have to hold classes for Robbie. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think uh, n- not just an oral test either of, you know, how things are, how, how it's all to be done here, but I think I'm going to have him write a, a, a test uh, on hard copy, <laughs> you know.
3: Well, you know <laughs> what's the other option is? Stop being away on Saturdays. Well, th-
2: Oh, like, oh, well. consider that, OG Well, no. member. Oh, gee, that was a smack in the face, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, the one thing that I would have told Robbie right off the bat is to get those phone numbers in with the mantra. Now, the phone numbers, if you're listening in from anywhere in the province of Ontario or anywhere else for that matter, um, in, in Toronto, 416 to speak to my wonderful Wonderful Master Gardener, Charlie Dobbin. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. That being said, um, the other oh the mantra yes call early call often one question per call there you good, go good you see, see?
3: you are yeah, just a little bit rusty I, but well, you haven't really yes. lost it yes
2: no no I'm, I'm 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 getting sharper as the minutes go on air. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah hey, you know talking about being yeah. sharp I know we had a I was telling you before we came on air we had a power failure for a number of hours last oh, night yeah so that yeah I'm feeling a little like not quite with the routines because, you know, alarm clocks. Oh, mark. you're,
2: you're wake half yeah. the night going, ooh, ooh, I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So
3: the cell phone is, you know, snuggled up to my ear with the alarm <laughs> set on that just in case the uh, yeah. power doesn't come on. And, you know, coffee, of course, couldn't come on. So, But I'm here. I'm back. Yes. It's all good. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. One of them is, for those of you that want to send me an email, I had a good example this week. Somebody was trying to send me an email and they didn't have the email address right. Ah, well, so let's correct that. So this person did find me through one of my other multi-emails because it's scary how many different addresses I have. The one for here... Well, you have to. The station <laughs> email is my first initial C and my last name Dobbin, so C-D-O-B-B-I-N mm-hmm. at am740.ca. So it's that .ca that's uh, the killer. The, yeah. the individual who was trying to get hold of me was using .com, and of course it was bouncing back. Right. Uh, quick announcements. Today at yes. the Toronto Botanical Gardens is Harvest Day.
2: Oh, you spoke of this last week, or, or the week before, I think. Did uh, I? I was
3: going to so. say, you weren't here last week. Were you listening no. last week? <laughs> <laughs> I was at a wedding. Well, so it's Harvest yeah. Day because this is the first full day of fall, or autumn the autumnal time of year has started. So it is the time of celebration and giving back to the community. Join the children of the Toronto Botanical Garden programs to harvest the teaching garden, create and participate in art, music and drama. You should have your grandbabies here. But of course you can't because you're busy all day with the the station. But anyway, uh, uh, you can buy your fall pumpkins, stunning pre-made outdoor urns, free guided tours. Um, how-to demos, uh, the head gardener, Sandra Pella will be there and she's got lots to to share and explain. And of course the Toronto Master Gardeners will also be on hand to answer any questions today from 12 noon until 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens.
2: How many of you Master Gardeners are kicking around? There's about
3: 880 I think in the province of Ontario. No kidding, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting organization and it's always kind of recruiting, always uh-huh, looking yeah. for more members. The kind of person who becomes a Master Gardener is a hobby gardener who wants to take it to the next level, mm-hmm. who wants to just learn that much more. Often it's somebody who's um, just retired, perhaps, or is changing something in their in their lifestyle so they've got a little more time on their hands, mm-hmm. because they're studying involved. You have to, you know, yeah, take yeah. classes. Like,
2: yeah, And there are tests here. I mean oh, It's, yeah. it's not Serious awarded tests. if you get a nice face.
3: Yeah, just you know. to pass the courses. Then, of course, there's a test to join the master gardeners mm-hmm. and along with passing that test there's a commitment of time because master gardeners do volunteer their time on an annual basis minimum of 30 hours a year so uh, you know all of that requires time and commitment sure but, you know if you really love to garden and you love to talk about it and share yeah. it it's a great way to meet others
2: and as you are wanting to point out, uh, this time of year is a very busy time for gardens. Sure eh? is. Yeah.
3: Gosh, there's so much going on for in our gardens, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it's fall doesn't mean we're really winding down. There's all that, you know, cleanup to do. Preparation
2: and for the next, next growing next, season. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And you know, thinking about, you know, move you can still be transplanting and planting. There's
2: nematode buying <laughs> is really <laughs> high on the list.
3: <laughs> You're so funny. Get out your suitcase and go out <laughs> nematode buying. Yeah. But you know what, that you brings up a good point. It's actually a tiny a bit late for applying nematodes at this point. But there was a real serious a Japanese beetle problem across Ontario this year. They're they're in places this year that they've never been before. They are an insect that's moving. Uh, they only arrived in Canada in the '30s. Did start
2: from the west and started move. in
3: Japan. Yeah, from came then, from Japan to the United States in 1918. First discovered in like yeah. somewhere in the states, and then arrived in Canada in the '30s. And it's been slowly but surely came in through well, you know, St. Catharines and Niagara. Yeah, yeah. They've had Japanese beetles for years and years and been you know, fighting with them. But now we're getting them up into Toronto and North Toronto, and uh, I ran into a few. And people those
2: samurai with... <laughs> beetles, boy, they are tough to get rid of. Well, the mm-hmm.
3: thing is, it, it, it's the life cycle, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about grubs and the nematodes for the lawns, the grubs mm-hmm. are the larva of the, or one of the larvae that we find in our lawns that are the the larva of the Japanese beetle. So it's a, just a horrible insect when it chews up your lawn roots and plant roots. But then when it moves into the beetle or adult phase, yeah. it does even more. Damage chewing all the roses and the leaves all just disappear Boy, overnight.
2: Little devils.
3: Oh, they're just real little devils. So they're fun to squish uh, when, <laughs> when you're in the mood to do some squishing. Um, quickly, one more thing. Next weekend, 1st and 2nd of October, the Fine Arts Society of Milton is presenting their studio tour. Both days, from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m., self-guided tour of the Artisan Studios. There are 30 locations, 48 artists. For more information, go to www.fas.com. S.M. So Fine Art Society of Milton dot. C
2: A. All righty, and you've already made David Gaskins day, our producer. You really, s- you squeezed in the word "squish," and <laughs> and that was he always likes it when you kind of get yeah. get violent on the show. Of course. Uh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're going to take a little break here. Uh, unless you have anything else to add, Charlie. No, I think no?
3: we'll go to our break, and then I am going to read you a couple of maybe emails, and we'll get some calls. And Wonderful. Get it happening.
2: Okay. All righty. Very good. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment here with the Charlie Dobbin Show on AM seven forty.
1: Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the happy troika,
2: David Gaskin, our producer, Frank Proctor, here as the uh, sous chef of the garden, along with our master gardener, one of some 180 or 822 uh, <laughs> that we've last counted, uh, Charlie <laughs> Dobbin. Yeah. Oh, is that right? I'm oh, sorry. Something okay. like that. Vivian in Burlington's on the line, ready to uh, pose a question, so let's uh, get to it. Hi, Vivian.
4: Good, up, good morning. Morning. Charlie and Frank.
2: Nice to have you with us. What, what's your question?
4: My question is to do with time to prune certain things in the garden because I'm getting two stories and I want to have uh, Charlie's recommendation. Uh, Rose of Sharon mm-hmm. and peonies,
5: mm-hmm.
4: uh, hydrangeas, burning mm-hmm. bushes, and all other perennials.
3: Hmm, good questions. Right, so the question is when to prune those various plants you've just mentioned. Yes. So you live in Burlington, so here's what I would do if I lived in Burlington. Rose of Sharon, I would not touch it until the spring, and I would do all my pruning in the early spring. Funny thing about Rose of Sharon, it's one of the last plants to actually break forth with a little bit of greenery. So we often think it's dead when it's uh, in the spring because everything else is green, but the Rose of Sharon isn't. That's when you start pruning because it's so easy. There's no leaves. You can totally see what's going on. All right. Uh, now, um, burning peonies. bush. oh Peonies. Peonies you trim after we've had a hard frost. First hard frost, you'll get the leaves will turn purple, burgundy, very pretty. The leaves uh, typically collapse right around that time after a good hard frost. Yeah. And you trim the peony right down to ground level at that point. Early Do, spring? In the fall. Oh, in the fall? Peonies, we trim oh, in the fall. Okay. And, the re- and you remove the leaves that you've trimmed and put them either in the composter or out with the other leaves, you know, bags. Uh-huh. Uh, peonies can have a, get botrytis. Uh, Fungal diseases, so the last thing you want to do is leave peony leaves in the garden over the winter. Okay. So trim them right down in the fall. New shoots can come up very easily in the spring, and you don't have to touch them in the spring.
4: Okay, hydrangea.
3: Depends what kind of hydrangea. If it's a big uh, macrophylla, the ones with the round flowers, or the yeah, The round
4: flowers, big round flowers.
3: Right. So leave the hydrangeas alone. Actually, I leave all my hydrangeas alone for the winter to enjoy the... The flowers get all crispy and bronze, and they, they hang on all winter, and they're quite ornamental. So I typically leave all the, the hydrangeas alone in the winter. In the spring, with the round or ball-type uh Uh, hydrangeas i just wait until a little bit of green is starting to show along the stems and then i go through and in my where i live it's usually all the hydrangeas of that type the macrophyllas, get trimmed down to about four inches tall just right through all all stems are removed to about the four inch height down to the green buds
4: okay burning bushes
3: anytime you want because burning bush, we doesn't have a flower yes, that we but. love. So with, with our flowering shrubs, we wait until and do our pruning right after they flower. But of course, burning bush is not about the flowers. So I find burning bush is easiest to trim in the spring because then you can, again, no leaves are there yet. You can see what you're doing. It's a yes. the, the I wouldn't want to do it in the fall because, of course, you still want to enjoy I all those the, beautiful, the, the burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what burning bushes are all about. Yes. So in the spring is usually the best like time. early spring.
4: Yep, early oh. spring
3: before the leaves come okay.
4: out. And then all other perennials, perennials like sedums and all those ferns yeah. and all those are they what? Are they spring or fall?
3: Well, with the generally speaking, with the perennials, uh, if they have flowers that will set seeds that are something that can provide bird food or ornamental value through the winter, I leave them alone in the fall and trim in the spring. Oh, so okay. that could include <clears throat> sedum. It could co- includes the ornamental grasses, uh, even the black-eyed susans. I leave uh-huh. them alone all winter. Trim in the spring. But, as you mentioned, peony, that's a very good example. Or anything that's really unsightly in the fall, I trim it right down in in the fall before winter. Yes.
4: Thank
2: you so much. Vivian, I've got to to congratulate you, you, Vivian. Usually (laughs) the the, uh, mantra goes, you know, one question per call sort of thing. But you you started off with the subject matter of... Pruning One and question. yeah and but it, it, you worked around that beautifully. <laughs> I, I I have just undying admiration for your technique. Thank you very thanks much. Lot, <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for joining have us.
4: Have a lovely day.
2: Why? Thank you thanks, very much. Vivian. Coming around to uh, twenty minutes after nine o'clock here. <laughs> she was on smooth, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and had them all down there and zing zing zing. Yes, sir, bob and uh, we've got them all down too, right? We the exercises. All
3: that work that mm-hmm. Vivian's going to get doing out the garden you hear how much trimming and, and pruning she's got to oh. do i hope she's remembering to take her sierra Sil. absolutely if she's got any pain and wrists or elbows or shoulders or hips or anything knees that make it tough to bend i know with me sitting at the computer a lot at this time of year my knees start to stiffen and sierra sill really helps it, it just doesn't work for everybody but it certainly helps me keep keep moving if you that's will that's right it's uh- a and for you as well Mr. Kickboxer, <laughs> um, I, we have a big distance between us here in the studio because I don't trust him. He, uh, <laughs> he can just fly out at any minute with that with that leg. Sierracil is a, a, a natural mineral supplement that you take on a daily basis. If you have any stiffness and need information, give them a call at one eight seven seven joint fourteen.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And a good morning to you from Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying hi to Phyllis in Alliston. Hi, Phyllis, how you doing?
6: I'm fine, how are you? Good. Morning. How's uh, Charlie and you doing today?
3: We're having a great day. How good. are things in Alliston?
6: Oh, it, it's quite nice now. Yeah, it
3: stopped raining?
6: Yes, it did. <laughs> Anyways, we have um, quite a bit of trees on the property, on one side of our property. Um, they're 50 feet high. They're uh, spruce. Mm-hmm. Now, one of them is uh, turning like a brown color on one side of the tree. Mm. I was just wondering if that's anything to worry about, or could I do anything for it? Or
3: uh, Yes, it is. If Particularly if you're seeing that sort of all the way up the 50-foot expanse of the tree. Okay. Usually... Okay, there's a lot of different reasons why spruces will, you know, there are some diseases, there are some insects, but when it's only on one side, uh, was there any kind of construction that took place or... No, no, um, that I know of, no. Because spruce are very susceptible to compaction of their roots. If there was some um, tr- traffic, truck traffic or something going on on, this, on the ground or the you know the land, to the you know on that side of the spruce that okay. can have a big effect on the roots and the roots ability to get moisture and air and all the things they need and thus the the one side of the tree can really suffer
6: yeah that it seems that you know it doesn't get the sun on that side okay. that's what i was suspecting is it
3: all is it right banged up against other plants there or is it just the, no, it's, it's the it's north
6: side no it's right in the middle of the property but right down the other side of it is all spruce too mm-hmm. but they seem to be fine
3: Hmm.
6: just the one that seems to be sitting beside, you know, the other ones. I don't
3: know. Uh, well, you know, it's the kind of thing that it's, it's hard to diagnose over the radio. It right. It does come down to, I mean, if you have lots of spruce, you might say to yourself, okay, if I lost one spruce, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No. But if if there's a concern that what's killing that spruce could affect the other spruce, it might be the kind of thing you really do need a proper diagnosis on what's going on. Okay. I would recommend uh, look, calling in a certified arborist to take a look. Um, and how you would find an arborist in your area would be to go to the website, which is the International Society of Arboriculture (ISA), and uh, you'll find, our, you know, proper, certified, trained people in your neighborhood who can come in and at least advise on what's your next step. It could be an insect, it could be a disease, it could just be like we're thinking, you know, something bad air circulation, poor, poor sun, whatever. But the plant did get to 50 feet tall, so it was a happy plant mm-hmm. up until a point. So something's right. going on. Yeah. And uh, like I say, it's a bit hard to diagnose for sure. Okay. But worth, always worth with the big trees, always worth to, to know what's going on so you can at least make proper judgment on what your next best step should be.
6: Okay. All right. Okay, thank you. And thank I'm you. And show. Thank you. Thanks, Phyllis. Okay, have a good day. You and betcha. You. Bye now.
2: Let's fly off to Fenland Falls here and have a word with Joanne. Hi, Joanne.
4: Hi. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, Charlie, I
7: have a shrub rose. Mm-hmm. The thing's probably about 25 years old. Mm-hmm. I just want to know when is the best time to trim it because it's got a lot of real woody
3: mm in it. Yep, Big old stuff. Yeah. When I would do it is in the spring That's for great. a couple of reasons. One is if you leave it alone for the winter, you have the, like, shrub roses can be very beautiful. They get covered in hips. Oh, yeah. The fruit after the flowers are the hips. And the birds, of course, love the hips. So you get a lot of bird action and, you know, the seeds are, are super high quality food for the winter time for many of our, the chickadees and the various birds that are around. Oh. So I would leave it alone for the winter then in the spring before anything starts to grow like i'm not talking too cold but you know might be might be april or might be may on a uh-huh. nice sunny day put on your your leather gauntlets and your leather suit yes. and get yourself some long handled loppers And what you're going to do is get down, right down on ground level, and the big old stems, the ones that are dark gray, very woody, um, very typically prickly, and they have lots of bark on them. But, you know, these are the heavy big um, canes rising right from the bottom, right from the base. Those are the ones you want to take out at ground level okay so you never take out more than one-third of the plant at any one time your biggest oldest canes are the ones that will come first right and it'll all be a brambly mess to try and get those out so though you'll trim at ground level you'll then have to follow up and you know take those those canes out in chunks because it's all going to be sort of in the center of the plant.
8: Right, right. Uh,
3: and so that will actually lower the, the entire size of the plant by removing a third of the big old canes. Uh-huh. Then you'll just do some, some minor pruning for shape, right. lo- looking at some of the younger growth, making trying to... Uh, open the plant up, maximize the sun penetration, the airflow, and also avoid any kind of interfering branches, branches that are rubbing up against each other. So those kinds of things can come out at the same time, and you'll see all of it very clearly before the leaves grow.
8: Okay, great. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. You're very
3: welcome. Thank you. Take care of the
2: folks in Fenland Falls for us. Okay. Coming around to uh, 9.30. I'd like to acknowledge, uh, Charlie, with your permission here, a wonderful little letter that I received from uh, Betty Howlett, mm. who listens into The Gardening Show, and she sent me a, a couple of poems, and uh, they come from a, a book of uh, similar writings called The Works by Pam Ayers. So with that in mind, yes. let me read just a few stanzas, if I may. Oh, of course. Uh, the, that would be lovely. One of the poems, The Gardening Man. Oh, let us salute him, the gardening man, alone with his thoughts and his watering can, a song in his heart, a pain in his back. And all his tomatoes are starting to crack. The flies on the carrot, the spots on the rose, <coughs> every joy of the garden. He knows the feel of the compost, the clink of the pot, the neck of his onions all starting to rot. You know, and it goes on from there. And there's another one, but I haven't got great. the time for the whole thing. But thank you very much. I appreciate that so much, Betty.
3: And I just, when you read that, I see you standing out there yes. uh, in your garden. Uh, you know. Tools on the at, the, at the at the ready. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on the balcony.
2: That's cute. Good, that is good, good.
3: Well, and that's yeah. I love that tomatoes are starting to crack. All right, uh, and one thing I'd like to share as well. I did receive an email from one of our listeners, Betty Percy. She was responding with a suggestion for one of the callers from last week who called when you weren't here. Uh, you probably would have been able to help with this, being the sous well, chef. of course. But I only had the under sous chef here last week, and I wasn't, uh, didn't have a good answer for the caller who ha- was calling about mice in her shed. Uh. All right. So she's wondering, what do I do? Like, how do I avoid mice moving into the shed this fall? So what Betty suggested is that her next door neighbor had mice in her shed and she was told to put mint in her shed as mice do not like the smell of it. So mint juleps all around. This particular neighbor had mint planted in her garden, so she put it in the shed. Uh, Betty says, I would think if you do not have the mint plant, you could use peppermint extract by putting a little in a container to try. Uh, She also saw, the the email says, she saw where at one of the, uh, it's called Fawcett Motors in Whitby, you can buy a package of four for $19.99 mice repellent they say mice hate it, but it's a nice smell for people. Mm. Uh, so why would a Fawcett motors be selling mice I don't repellent? No, it turns out that Fawcett Motors is an antique car dealer in Whitby, and they recommend it for people who have cars that are put away for the winter. Oh, and they
2: don't want the mice to be chewing up the upholstery. Uh, the, you know, the Dave Rediger out there—he's listening to that I right would now. I hope yeah. he is,
3: or maybe he's <laughs> even got a suggestion of whether this works. So this is some kind of a mice repellent that is sold for cars, right? And so the idea was perhaps that might work in the shed. So, that was uh, just a, a good suggestion from one of our listeners. So, thank you for that. I do love it when we get suggestions from others besides... And kind of
2: oddball things, you know? Because, well, after all... gardeners
3: do tend to be well, oddball. Well,
2: we know that for sure. <laughs> they are
3: characters. Yeah, look at us, after all. Okay. Well, maybe not you, but No, look at of me. course not.
2: No, I <laughs> you know, know you didn't You're a regular mean that? person. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know my diet completely, don't you? Yes, of course. <laughs> Kathy in Grimsby. Hello, and good morning. Welcome to the show.
9: Good morning. I love the poem, and good morning to you both. (laughs) Thank you. Good morning, Morning, Kathy. Yep. (laughs) I have variegated impatience that I've been growing for a number of years now, thanks to a friend of mine. Something has hit them this year. I've never seen it before, and now it's affecting the regular impatience as well. And I was wondering if you've heard of any blight that's uh, hit the country um, that's affecting inpatients, because I was talking to my brother-in-law in England, mm-hmm. and he said there was an article in their paper about there is something hitting inpatients over there. Mm. But uh, it's devastating, because this variegated one, you can't buy it anywhere. No. and I, You know, I just rely on cuttings every year, but... Uh, my garden at the front, they're completely gone, so I'm going to have to, to rip them out. But
3: So tell me you, what happened. They just collapsed before your very eyes? or? What? Um,
9: well, it starts at the top where the growth is, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's, it droops over, and then it starts turning brown, and then the leaves just start dropping off it. Wow. I know, and when it hit the other impatience, it hasn't touched. I also have uh, fibrous begonias in there, and they're fine. Right. But I didn't know if, if you had heard of
3: anything. I, I like- honestly haven't, uh, though I'm happy to look it up and see okay. if I can find something for next week. Okay, um, that'd be great. Yeah, and this is something where you've uh, treated them the same in terms of fertilizer and water, and yep. the location yep. is similar to where they've been for years. Yep. And yeah. all of a sudden, so the, it started with the variegated, and now it's going yeah. to the to the straight uh, green as well.
9: Yeah, it almost looked like somebody had come along and sprayed them, because it, it happened so fast, and I thought, oh my God, what's happening, you know?
3: Hmm.
9: Uh, but it spread right across the front now, so... Um, and do you
3: have some in the back as well? I
9: do. I noticed today, just near my garage, uh, one there, so I cut it off straight away and put it in the garbage, right. but uh, I'm going to start Good taking idea. cuttings now in case I lose them. But, and
3: uh, a suggestion when you are taking your cuttings, uh, just, you know, in case they... This is some kind of a disease that you want to be really careful you don't right. have it. If you get it in one, you don't want it in at all. No. Remember when you're doing your cuttings, whatever you're cutting with, whether it's scissors or pruners or whatever, okay. <clears throat> dip your blade into a solution of um, bleach and water okay. in between cuts Okay. just to do a, a sort of sterilization of the blade. Right. And when you, how do you normally root your cuttings? Do you just use water or do you use water? I use water. water. If you have the space and the ability to do so, I would be inclined to keep all the plants separate individual containers of water if you can i know typically oh, you probably oh, put oh my gosh yeah <laughs> 20 into a jar or whatever but <laughs> yeah. um but or at least try and uh Keep them sort of by plant, if you will, so that okay. all your cuttings from one plant stay together in, say, together. one jar. Okay. And, and again, have them, if they're on a windowsill, just try to not have them touching or whatever. Right. C- try and sort of make it possible that you will have some survival in case there does this blight does, yes. does uh, continue. But all okay. like I say, I'll, I'll look it up and see if I can report anything for next week.
9: Okay, well, thank you so very much. All right, thanks, okay, Kathy. take care and have a good weekend. Thank, thank
2: you, you, Kathy. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye right. now, 9.36 here on a Saturday morning AM. 740, it's The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and your sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along with our producer, of course, David Gaskin, with whom we couldn't get along. Uh, <laughs> we would no, calls, No, frankly. no, it'd be a pretty boring show. And he, uh, he
3: breaks up fights between us, too, which is good.
2: Well, uh, yeah, that he's he's a bit of a referee at that, too. Uh, Norm in Beaton is calling, oh, good heavens, about Creeping Charlie. <laughs> well, 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 let's see what's going on there. Hi, Norm. How are you? Good.
3: Morning, Norm. Good
5: morning. And this here stuff started, oh, I guess a couple of years ago after they'd taken the, the uh, weed and feed off the market and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just grows like wildfire. And, it, and it's like a, a vine, and it grows underneath the grass. Mm-hmm. And I've got it an area, I'm going to say, uh, 20 or 30 feet long and by about 5 feet wide, and it keeps expanding mm-hmm. every
3: year. Mm-hmm.
5: Is there anything you can use to kill this?
3: Well, unf- yes, theoretically, you can use uh, the product out there that's called Weed Be Gone. And, oh, yeah. of course, Weed Be Gone is a high iron uh, spray that right. should annihilate plants that are growing in your lawn that are not grass plants. And Creeping Charlie is not a grass plant. It is um, a broadleafed. Uh, plant, and it should be annihilated. The trick with creeping Charlie, though, is that it's got it's a perennial. So the the older the plant is, the bigger the root is, the you know more established the plant is, and the harder it is to kill. Right. So what I would do is I'd get right on this. I mean, it's very get on it in the spring if you're going to use spraying as your way to to try and control it. Recognize you're going to have to spray <clears throat> more than once. Just like you would if you were using 24 d back in the killex days, you would have had to spray more than once because this is a a pretty uh tough plant to kill it's a it's not called creeping charlie for no reason at all it's uh <laughs> it's a pretty tenacious plant um, now the other thing would be to to um like suffocate using a tarpaulin or using uh literally like cardboard over top and just kill everything in that swath and then go back after you've killed everything, and plant grass. That would be the other option.
5: If I were to use this uh, uh, weed thing that you're referring to,
3: Mm -hmm.
5: would uh, that, uh, like we, my wife breeds toy poodles, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to hurt them.
3: Yeah, no, This uh, that's one of the, I mean, kind of nice things about our current pesticide Mm -hmm. laws, is that everything that is registered for use is, are things that will become completely inert and right. not cause, da- should not, you know, are designed and registered to not cause any long-term damage to anything in the environment other than what they're specifically uh, designed to do. The weed be gone is actually a fertilizer. So when we spray it, we actually will see the plants turn a little bit black and grow and ultimately what happens is the lawn survives and the plants we don't want in the lawn should die. Mm-hmm. But the big, very established weeds can be a bit tough and may take two sprays.
5: Well, my neighbors told me that if you use two uh, two cups of vinegar, mm-hmm. uh, a cup of table salt, and two tablespoons of uh, dish soap, mixed it all together...
2: Uh oh, you should, you should see the uh, shaking of the head going on here <laughs> with Charlie. No, no, no. <laughs> nanu, nanu.
3: <laughs> well, well, okay, the vinegar will kill everything, mm-hmm. as will the salt. So, yes, it'd be similar to, like I said, you know, suffocating and, and uh, killing everything with the tarpaulin. Right. The bad thing about using salt is that you then have residue in your, in your soil, and it's mm-hmm. very difficult to go back and grow anything healthy in that soil.
5: Okay. So and we'd be gone would be the thing to use.
3: I would do that. Or like I say, I would use a physical barrier to right. just, you know, cause that plant to die due to lack of uh, sun and water. Okay. So one or the other, and the other thing. Remember, like a uh, dish mm. detergent. You know, it's, I love those mixtures. eh? the homemade recipes. Yeah. That'll give everything a nice. Cl- they'll be clean. <laughs> but, <laughs> Cleaned but it's right out. Not going to kill anything. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Gee, uh, Norma, at the beginning of the call, there uh, one of. Uh, I-, I presume it was one of your toy poodles, not your wife, uh, who made her uh, or his uh, radio <laughs> debut. Uh, that, was that a toy poodle we heard. Yes. Yeah. What was?
5: We, we have three of them, and one of them's just had babies. Oh! And I guess they heard something outside, <laughs> and they bark.
2: Could have been sweet. the sound of my voice that set them off. No, no. No. Sure. <laughs> no, we got
5: we got two red ones and uh, a white one.
3: Well, that's great.
5: How many puppies? Two puppies.
3: Aww. Oh
2: boy! Yeah,
5: they're, uh, they were born September the first.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, so a little it's wee got. right a couple of right
5: weeks long. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, they fit in my hand, and I'm a very tiny person. <laughs> well, oh, wow. I,
2: I can't have my wife see them. We'd, we'd be adopting, be him adopting immediately. them immediately. Oh, we're <laughs> suckers for dogs. And honest,
3: your cat please. wouldn't like that. No,
2: Dickens. Uh, he'd, uh. he'd lodge a complete. You know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Get the petition going. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes.
2: <laughs> hey, thanks very much, Norm. Hope Good uh, luck
3: with that, Norm. Charlie's
2: been of help. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Good luck with that. Uh,
3: 9.42. Speaking of Dickens, my kitty cat, his name is Carter, and uh, he went out uh, frolicking this morning. Uh, It was still dark when Mm. I got up, and and he just loves to get out as soon as he can in the morning. He went out, puts his little collar on, off he goes. Not five minutes later, he's at the door. His claws are full of black fur. He doesn't have any black fur in him. Uh-huh. And his, his collar was all askew. And see. <laughs> he had run into somebody who wasn't too friendly out there. <laughs> <laughs> it was time to come back in.
2: Uh, is he um, fixed?
3: Yes, yes, of course. Yes.
2: Maybe he was just out canceling appointments, you know. Uh, he might have been,
3: but he did <laughs> yes. come in with some extra fur. Ah, uh, there you go. But no blood, so that was a good thing.
2: Okay, uh, we have to take a little bit of a break here, and we'll be back to uh, talk to Jimmy and Jean and a uh, whole bunch of other folks that uh, our producer uh, David has lined up. Meantime, uh, you are listening to AM seven forty here in Toronto, Zoomer
1: Radio. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues.
2: And it's Frank Proctor along here. Uh, I might uh, do to repeat the phone numbers since we might have new listeners who have never called the show before and saying, "How? Oh, I want to ask a question. How do we do it? Okay. If you're in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then, of course, anywhere else in the province, toll free, one 866 4, 7, 40. Uh, I presume our next caller is sort of a regular listener here. Uh, Jimmy, hello from Oakville. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, sir? Good, good. Good morning. Morning, Charlie. How are you doing today?
3: Great. What's going on in your garden?
10: Well, this is an indoor plant. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of a plant it is, but it's growing like a tree. It doesn't go too, too big, and it has very small green leaves. Mm-hmm. Now, my problem is that we water the plant once a week in, in, the, in the home.
3: Mm -hmm.
10: On the last time, which was Thursday, when I watered it, there was a lot of mushrooms and fungus there in the soil.
3: Hmm. Right. So that's worrying you?
10: Yes. I want to know how come the mushrooms came up there and what's the fungus?
3: Well, that's what's so interesting about mushrooms. Mushrooms, of course, are a fungus. It's probably, when was the last time, is this a new plant or you've had it for many years?
10: Had it for many years. It's 11 years old.
3: And when did you last repot it?
10: Uh, about six years years ago.
3: That long ago. Okay. Uh, All right. So what happens is, okay, so a fungus has, fungal spores are so small, right? They're microscopic. So for whatever reason, a spore landed in the soil. The soil is being kept moist enough that the spore germinated, just like a seed germinates and starts to grow. And so a little fungal spore germinates and becomes thread-like, you can't, again, can't even see, it's called mycelium inside the soil. Mm -hmm. The little mushroom that pokes up above ground like that is what we call the fruiting body and that's what sets off more spores. So to eliminate two things you can do, one is when you see any evidence of the mushrooms, uh, remove them, even if it's just with a, you know, a knife or a fork, just sever them off at at ground level and put them right into the garbage. And I would cut back on my watering. I would get a hold. If it's a big plant, it sounds like it's a fairly, you know, big plant in a good sized pot. Get a hold of a moisture meter. That's one of the probes that is about a foot long, and you can stick it right down into the soil. Find out what your moisture level is below the surface. And I would use a moisture meter to water less, but of course not water so little that the plant suffers and you know, dies from lack of water. Mm-hmm. But if the soil is constantly moist, you're setting up an environment that's a good environment for the fungus. Okay. Okay. So less water will mean that the fungus will not grow as effectively. Ultimately, to really, really eliminate it, you would have to repot the plant into brand new fresh soil. But with a big plant, uh, it's the kind of thing it's better to do outside. And I would put something like that off till spring if I could. But if it's really worrying you, you could do it this fall.
10: No, I think I can do it. If the, the I'll see how bad they are, okay. and if I have to report it, I can do it now, otherwise I'll have to wait till spring.
3: Yeah, till spring, because, you know, big plants like that, you have to lay them down, and, you know, it's lots of newspapers spread out, and it's it's right. quite a, a hard thing to do. But that's your ultimate uh, solution, like I say, is to get brand new, fresh, sterile soil, potting soil, and start again.
10: Right. Okay. Um, the other question Charlie is that this, well, uh, uh, Jimmy
2: I'm sorry we 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 can only have one question per no, call. About the moisture oh. meter. Oh. from Canadian
3: Tire. I, th- they, I think they'd have a Canadian Tire for sure they have not met any good garden center. Okay.
10: Thank okay. you very much. You're thank very you Jimmy. Welcome. thank oh. you very much you people have a good weekend. And thank you, you too. very
2: much. It's tough being a I cop, know. you know it really is. A, you do oh, such a good the job. The training right? at Aylmer is just... It, that's a three-month-long uh, thing that just about oh, killed me. Uh, but uh, you're
3: good. I mean, oh, yes. Look, you're well, a natural.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh,
3: and friendly at the same
2: time. <laughs> yes, I, I write out tickets with a smile. Um, <laughs> let us You know what? It's uh, almost break so time close. here. So let us. Yeah, let us maybe do that, do you think?
3: Let us. Did you bring uh, let, us, let us. Are we hungry? Let us. <laughs> yes. <Got some> <laughs> tomato <laughs> to go with that lettuce?
2: Oh, well, uh, that's a five-carat <laughs> ring I see you have here. So, oh, heaven's <laughs> Betsy Frank, let's just say it. Let's just say Sierrasil and get on with get it. Get on with yes. it, exactly.
3: Sierrasil is something that both Frank and I take to keep ourselves active pain-free and active. Now, Sierra Sil is something you can learn more about over the internet, so sierrasil.ca. You can also call the wonderful people in Vancouver.
2: Yeah, the nice people to deal with. They, they really are. are.
3: Yeah. Um, the number is simple. It's 1-877-JOINT-14 if you want to pick up, and of course they'll mail you the product, but you can also buy Sierra Sil at any of the good um, natural food stores that might be in your area. Stores like the Big Carrot, uh, Nature's Source in Mississauga, or the Peanut Mill and St. Catharines all carry Sierra There you go.
1: Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And here we are, ready to speak with Val, who's calling in from Guildwood. Hi, Val. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Morning. Always a wonderful
8: program, Charlie. Thank you so much. I have a very beautiful coleus, and I believe it's new this year. It's called Stained Glassworks.
3: Oh, yeah, that the stained glass works as a whole series, and there's different varieties of oh, well, different colors. Oh, this is eruption. eruption. Oh, nice. Sounds yes,
8: and, and now it's on my back step. Now, is this the time to bring it in, Charlie?
3: Oh, uh, well, we don't have any frost in the imminent future, but definitely yes. I would make every effort to bring that in this weekend if you can. And can, shall I cut it back? Ah, uh, well actually what I w- there's two ways you can deal with coleus. One would be to take cuttings yeah. and bring those in and leave I have done that, leave yeah. the mother plant outside. The other thing if you've done that and you've got some cuttings inside now. Yeah. Right. So when it comes to the main mother plant, I would just bring it in as is. Of course you want to make sure it's got no bugs on it. No. So I don't. it's a very thorough wash yes. and drain. And I'll even immerse the entire pot into a, a, a big tub of water okay. so that if there's any sow bugs or earwigs or any, you know, even worms or anybody hiding out in the soil, they will float out of that the root ball into the tub of water. So well, you can.
8: I can't kill a fly, so uh, I <laughs> can't to to pick them. them up and put them back in the earth. Well, outside. that's right. <laughs> yeah, you just scoop
3: them out of the water and then put them back outside or, or you know, put them back in the, in the ground. Main thing is you just don't want to bring them in if you Avoid. no I can understand because you know those millipedes walking across the living room floor can freak no, people out No, so then they do like to hide in soil so the thing is bring it inside and then just put it in a, the sunniest spot you've got I've got a solarium perfect and uh and just care for it all winter yes. you will need to um you know water as required yes. and then as we get into the the days start to elongate in February yes that's when I would do some cutting back and shaping it up okay. in preparation for it to be a beautiful plant to go out in the spring
8: Thank you very much, Charlie. Uh, Val, yes, um,
2: when, when your uh, location came up on our monitor, Guildwood, yes. I said, gee, now, what are we, is the Guild in out there? Is mm-hmm. that, uh, is that well, still in operation? or?" Uh,
8: no, no, not for not for uh, nine years. It's been closed, but uh, Paul Ainsley and, and a lot of the councillors are trying to do something to bring it back uh-huh. for us, but... I, I understand
2: you know, it was once a beautiful property. Oh,
8: it, I worked there for nine years. Oh, you? really? <laughs> so part of my life is in there. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: gee, you know, uh, give me a call at the station sometime. This yeah. same number you've called uh, yeah. when I'm on the air from 11 uh, to 1 at some point. Give me a call, and we'll maybe you get to know a little bit about the building and see if we can kind of help out
3: maybe. Yeah, oh,
8: that would be wonderful.
3: Okay. Well, it's got a very interesting yeah. history attached to it as well, but I was telling Frank it's a lovely. It was a lovely, it's like a Hollywood set, the way yeah, it was all yeah. designed.
8: Yeah. Yes, they're still making movies there, believe it or not. I bet oh, they oh, are. Yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, terrific. Okay, yeah, give me a shout.
8: Thank you very much, I will. Thank you, Val. Thank you very much.
2: We have time for another caller here for sure, uh, Lynn in Crystal Beach calling in. Hi, Lynn, good morning.
7: Hi, hi everybody. How are you this morning? morning. Good morning. Um, I would like to know if you have, Charlie, the recipe for the green tomato jam. I haven't heard it this year. <laughs>
3: That's good. <laughs> good point, actually. Now do I have that with me? Probably not, but you know, I know it's on our website. Do you have access to the internet? Yes. Well, if you go to AM740, the website am740.ca.
7: AM740.ca. That's right.
3: And if you look, it'll have um, a section where it talks about the hosts, and if you Find me as a host, yeah, Charlie uh, under Charlie Dobbin. You will find the, the recipe for the green tomato jam. Really? Because what, what it is is it's it's using green tomatoes that yep. are obviously not ripe green tomatoes. When frost is coming and we have to, we don't want to just watch those green tomatoes turn to dust outside or mush. Exactly. Bring them in, uh, and of course, they're still hard and and not very edible. It's an amazing way. uh, I know it's putting them in a pot with um, raspberry, jello. Jello, yes. And I believe some sugar and no water. I think it's just.
7: It seemed to me that there was like six cups of. Green tomatoes. Six, was it six cups of green tomatoes or so was it. it six cups of sugar?
3: Yeah, it's possible. It seems like a lot of sugar, though, doesn't it? Okay, so it's on the website, and what I'll do is I'll, read, I'll bring it with me next week as oh, well. Oh, that
7: would be one. Because so, I never miss your show, and I didn't think we had it on this
3: year. Not yet, but I. <coughs> uh, it's an amazing way to use green tomatoes. It, it makes is, a I mean, raspberry jam that you can't believe has tomatoes in it.
7: Yeah, well, you can use the strawberry jam, too. That's or right. The strawberry jello, That's too. That's right, exactly. Um, I was telling one of the people in Fond Hill... Or Fenwick, where they have this little garden and she, she center, and you can buy everything, right? Mm-hmm, Peaches mm-hmm. and everything. And I was telling her about it, and she said, "Oh, I need that recipe because <laughs> <laughs> she sells the jams and the jellies." Yeah. And I said, "I have it, but of course, I couldn't find it yeah, yeah. as it goes." And I have a lot of green tomatoes and. I'm just itching to make it. And I, thought, I will get on that show and get that
4: recipe. <laughs> there you go. And
3: I don't have it at the tips of my uh, fingers, but we will definitely announce okay. it next week. And like I say, it is on our website. I know that.
7: Yeah, I just don't want to go back to the garden center and not have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks All so right. much. Have a good weekend. Thanks both for of asking, you. Lynn. Thank um, you
3: very much,
2: Lynn.
7: Charlie. Or not, Charlie. But Frank, you didn't say anything about the wedding.
2: Oh, oh I'm going to. I'm going to be Quick telling you uh, on, on my that. show. Oh, cool. uh, okay. I, I'm hoping, hopefully. Uh, to uh, have my son on, on the uh, air, if I can get oh, a hold okay. of him today.
7: I thought that was very strange that you didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, strange.
2: oh, it was fabulous, but I'll tell you more between 11 okay. and 1. Okay, okay, <laughs>
7: okay.
3: bye-bye.
2: Thank you Thanks. very bye-bye. much.
3: Bye-bye. Well, and, it's true. I didn't yeah, ask. I guess well, I should have said something right off the top. You know, it, it how did was, it go? It was uh, new father-in-law. Fabulous! Yes.
2: It was fabulous, and we um, well, I'll tell you more about. Yeah. The, and I want to thank some people in particular. Yeah. But I've never seen a happier couple, That's honest. Or Pete? Oh, it was.
3: And it your was son so great. may join you on the sh- your show later. Well, this I'm afternoon. hoping
2: to connect via phone and, and have him kind of describe. He's they, newlywed. He's busy. Well, no, no. I'll tell you what. What happened is they as soon as soon as they got married, the proctor factor kicked in. Yes. And all sorts of untoward things happened. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, and even before the wedding. But uh, uh, it, but it was all great. happy ending. It was, a, so yes, a happy
3: ending. That's yeah. good. Well, I'm yeah. glad you had fun. We did miss you last week.
2: Well, bless your heart.
3: And, uh, yeah, but you know, like I say, Robbie does, know, he's pretty good at stepping in and, and doing what needs to be done.
2: He certainly is. Yeah. And I have to step out now because we've got to make room for Dave Rediger and Alan Gellman and the, the whole crew from Dave's Corner
3: Garage. Oh, that's absolutely right. So, yeah. uh, Thank you again for all your your good help today and in the future.
2: Well, you haven't got a pink slip in your... (laughs) no. We we presume we're back next week, same time, same station. Yes, we hope
3: so. Thank you, David. (laughs) Thanks, David. Thanks to all our great callers. See you next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.